Friends, this morning, uh, it's my deep privilege uh, to welcome and, and kind of move straight into the next part of our service because I know God's got something really special for us today. And so Mike Pilavachi uh, has been running Soul Survivor Watford Church over in the UK for many years. He's run a f- festival over in the UK. He's been here a couple of times. And every time Mike and his team comes, we are deeply blessed. Would you welcome Mike as he comes and he shares with us today? Well, good morning. It's uh, it's an absolute joy. It always is to be here. I feel like this is a, a second home, and uh, uh, I love it. I hear. Did you say um, the young people were going to be here? Where, where are they? <laughs> oh, see, so you, you're split. All, you're all over the place, are you? You're not. You don't sit together. You don't care about each other that much. <laughs> Put your hands up again so I can see you. Okay. Oh, some. Okay. Sorry, I just need to say this because I've worked with young people forever. Um, if you're going to be in this service, okay, you need to listen. You need to pay attention. And you need to not talk amongst yourselves. If I see you and I'm talking to you. If I see you talking amongst yourselves, I will come down, I will come up to you, I will sit on you, and then you will die. So that's, um, for those that are visiting, that's called church discipline. And uh, for those of you at home, um, I can't do that to you but you still need to pay attention. Um, just, I don't want to start on a, no, a negative note, but um, I'm a bit surprised and shocked that you would, you would have a service and start a service where you do not give any health and safety announcements because in, in our church, we really care about people's health and safety. And so we would say, there's, you know, just, just some things so that people are aware. And... Um, I need to give a, a very important health and safety announcement. This is for you, for you, to keep you healthy and safe. Um, it is not allowed um, to have chocolate in this auditorium. <laughs> if you have bought chocolate into this auditorium for your health and safety, you need to bring it to me now. <laughs> Have you got chocolate? Yeah, I'm talking to you. Don't look behind. Oh, it was worth a try. All right. Um, I don't know about you, uh, but I am um, so often... Uh, after a great time, after I've been on a wonderful trip like this one, or after I've seen God do wonderful things, or I've, I've, I've done something, one, had a great holiday, um, almost very soon after, not always, but quite often, I then hit a low. And I don't know why. I, I, you know, the, I, this has just been a great time. There's no reason for it. 
Why am I suddenly feeling empty? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Or am I the only one? Okay, there's a few of you. And, and, and it's like, why is that? And, and so often, uh, I was involved in, um, as, as Mike said, um, uh, leading uh, camps, festivals for young people for 27 years until 2019 when I got too old. And, uh, um, and you know, we would, we would have five camps uh, one after the other, and it would be five days each. So that would be 25 days with about the total of about 30,000 uh, teenagers. And I'm an introvert. I know I don't look like an introvert. <laughs> I know I don't just come across, but I really am. And 25 days, an intro, it's, it's, it's 25 days from hell uh, when you're with um, thousands and thousands of people. And I, I loved it. I loved seeing what God did. I loved seeing people come to know Jesus. I loved seeing people come alive. I loved the fun and everything. Uh, but nearly always, on the last day, I'd, we'd finish, I'd get in the car, and I'd drive home. And somewhere on the drive, I don't know if it was the anointing lifted or the adrenaline stopped flowing. I can't tell the difference, if I'm honest. Uh, I would just suddenly start feeling low. And feeling alone. And by the time I got home, I would be almost in despair. And I'd be so tired and tired of, of, of being with people that I didn't want to do anything. And I didn't want to be with anyone. But I didn't want to be on my own. And I couldn't do nothing. And it was, do you know that feeling? It was like, I just, I just don't know what to do with myself. So I get home and I didn't know what else to do. So I'd end up phoning um, and, uh, and ordering uh, a Chinese takeaway and an Indian takeaway and a Thai takeaway and a Mexican takeaway and a Lebanese takeaway and everything else. And then at the end of the evening, I would feel no better, but I would be larger. And it would be like, what do I do? And I'd have to go through days of just feeling empty, just feeling low. And I used to get cross with myself and, and think, what sort of Christian leader are you? You've just seen God do all these amazing things. And after that, look, look at the state you're in. If they knew what you were like right now, if they knew, would they, would they really trust you anymore? And all of those thoughts... And then I read about Elijah. And bizarrely, he made me feel better. Elijah's story can be found, um, well, it's longer than this, but the bit I want to refer to is in 1 Kings chapters 18 and 19. If you want to check that I'm telling the truth, if no one is checking, and I don't see anyone with their Bible checking, then the temptation to make it up will be great. Because that's what I do sometimes. Um, and it's not make it up. It's, it's just add to scripture. To enhance. Um, you, we don't know. You're not supposed... Well, anyway. And uh, uh, I'm kidding. Uh, and, and Elijah was God's man of faith and power. He was amazing. I mean, the things that Elijah did... Um, he, he stood out. Um, in those days, Ahab, the king of Israel, he married Jezebel, and she brought the worship of false god of idols into the life of Israel. And there was, do you call him Baal or Baal here? 
Baal. Okay, um, and, and Baal uh, became the idol of choice, the God of choice. And everyone turned from Yahweh, from Almighty God. And Elijah stood out and he declared a drought. And there was a drought and God used him to do amazing things. And he was strong and he was powerful. And he engineered a confrontation with 450 prophets of Baal, the, the idol god on top of Mount Carmel. And there was Elijah, and there was 450 of them, and there was, and there was the whole of Israel watching. And Elijah looked at it, and he liked the odds. And he thought, I'm going to go for this. And the, and the contest was going to be uh, over. Uh, they were each going to uh, build an altar and put a sacrifice on it. The 450 prophets of Baal went first, and then they prayed that their idol would send down fire from heaven uh, to burn their sacrifice. And they called out to their idol, but nothing happened. I just want to read you a, a short passage from it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. And 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 then and then Elijah, I mean, he 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 was a sarcastic guy, I tell you. Listen to this. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a god. Perhaps he is deep in thought, or busy, or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. And he so taunted them that they ended up shouting louder and beating themselves up. And, but nothing happened. No one answered. And then it was Elijah's turn. He built his altar. He put his sacrifice on the altar. And then just to make it harder, uh, he poured loads of water over the sacrifice. And then he prayed. And his God sent fire from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. He defeated on the top of Mount Carmel 450 prophets of Baal, God's Baal, God's man of faith and power. And then the next day, the next day, he went into the desert, sat under a broom tree, and wanted to die. I know the feeling. Although I've never quite been God's man of faith and power, I know the feeling. Um, listen to this, what, what he says. Um, uh, Jezebel had threatened Elijah's life. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. God's man of faith and power wasn't quite that at this point. And I, I was shocked. I was like, Elijah, yesterday you were, you were just full of faith. You were full of life. You, you defeated uh, all those prophets. You turned history around. And now you're running away from one woman and you just want to die. You've had enough. You, you, you're saying you're on your own. What happened? Well, it's the same as happens to all of us. Elijah hit a low 
And what I want to talk about in the next few minutes is how the Lord met with Elijah. Because this is how the Lord wants to meet with us. And he dealt with three um, issues that Elijah had. He, he met his physical needs, then he met his spiritual needs, and then he met his emotional needs. And the God who loves us, the God who cares about us, knows us, and he comes and meets us where we are. And, and, and the first one is there's Elijah. He's, he's under the broom tree. He sucks his thumb and he just wants to die. And then he falls asleep. And, um, and then the Lord sends a couple of angels from the catering call. And, 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 and he gets them to bake hot bread. I think uh, with, it was probably hot salty rosemary bread. Um, I'm reading that into the Hebrew. And, uh, and, and, and San Pellegrino water. And then the Lord says, rise up, Elijah, eat, drink, and then have another sleep. And then they make some more hot bread. Rise, Elijah, have some bread, drink some Pellegrino, have a sleep. And, and do you know, years ago when I was a youngish youth pastor um, in another century, um, I, I, got, I, got, I just got tired and, and I felt I described myself as being spiritually depressed. I thought I invented the phrase. And uh, I went to uh, an older pastor in the church who was very wise and mature. And I said, Barry, I'm spiritually depressed. What do you recommend? And I was sure that Barry would say, Mike, how much are you praying? You need to pray more. You need to pray longer. How often are you reading your Bible? You need to do it more. Are you giving your tithe? Uh, who's the last person you led to the Lord? When did you serve uh, in, in, in a capacity where no one would know? I was sure he'd give me a ticking off and tell me to go and work harder. Do you know what he said? He said, Mike, go home, get a Chinese takeaway <laughs> and nothing else. Have a glass of wine watch a movie, have a sleep, you need to rest. And I was like, I'm not paying for this advice, not that I was paying, but it's like, that's not very spiritual. Sometimes we can be more spiritual than God. God who created us, he knows our needs. And I don't know about you, but when I've struggled to pray, the first question I've learned to answer, ask myself is, am I exhausted? It's really hard to pray when you're exhausted. Have you noticed that? It's not that you don't love Jesus. It's like it's really hard to keep your eyes open. And I used to, I used to beat myself up. You know, when I'd fall asleep in my quiet time, you, you call yourself a Christian leader and you're praying and you're to almighty God, to the king of the universe. You're before the throne of heaven and you fell asleep. Is he boring you? Is that what it is? Just what do you think God feels when you fall asleep talking to him? You don't fall asleep watching soccer. You don't fall asleep watching a good movie. But when you talk, have anyone been there? And I'm just whipping myself and everything. And then I said this to a friend of mine. And he said, Mike, you idiot. And he said, my little boy, when, when I've got him sitting on my lap, my three-year-old, and we're having a conversation, and we're talking, and in the middle of the conversation, 
I'm asking him a question and there's no answer. And I look down and there's my boy asleep in my arms. He fell asleep. I'm not thinking, you couldn't even stay awake to talk to your daddy. Do you not know that I brought you into this world? Do you not know that it's me that, that puts food on your, in your stomach? Do you not know that it's me that buys you your clothes? I don't think like that. I think, my boy, he's asleep in my arms. I love holding him. I love it that he feels so secure that he can sleep in my arms. God is our father not our head teacher. He knows when we're exhausted. And so what does God do? The first thing he does for Elijah is he says, before you pray to me, before we do a Bible study together, before we work out about the sacrificial system in Leviticus, you need to have a sleep, Elijah, and you need to eat some really good bread. And then after that, the Lord takes him. When Elijah is physically refreshed, he takes him out Mount Horeb. Now, if Mount Carmel is the mountain of victory, Mount Horeb is the mountain of encounter in the Bible. It's where the Lord met Moses at the burning bush. It's where um, the Lord met the people of Israel and gave the Ten Commandments and fire came down. Uh, onto the mountain. And another name for Mount Horeb is Mount Carmel. It's one mountain with two names. And uh, it's the mountain of encounter. And the Lord takes him up Mount Horeb. And, um, and then uh, he says to, to El uh, Elijah, what are you doing here, Elijah? It's a good question. What are you doing? I know what you're doing here, but I want you to tell me. And then Elijah says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. What Elijah did, he, he was having a party on top of Mount Horeb. He was the only guest at the party. It's called a pity party. I specialize in those. He was like, what are you doing here, Elijah? I'm the only one left. I'm, everyone's turned against you and they're trying to kill me too. And you know what? Even though Elijah was physically refreshed, he was still in that mental state of negativity. And so what happens? There comes a, an a earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. A great wind, but the Lord was not in the wind. A raging fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And Elijah, uh, when you live on adrenaline, you expect to find the Lord in the earthquake, wind and fire events, in the great conference, in the wonderful meeting, in, in, in the time when you, someone you love comes to know Jesus and, and, and you hit the highs on the mountaintops. And it's good to visit the tops of mountains every now and then, so they tell me. And, uh, and, and on the tops of mountains, it's bracing. It's refreshing. You can see into the distance. You gain vision. But nothing grows on the tops of mountains. Where things grow is in the valleys. And it's in the valleys where life happens. And, and, uh, and what the Lord was saying is, is, uh, is you can't live on the earthquake, wind and fire experiences. And Elijah had just had the fire experience and the Lord was in the fire on Mount Carmel, but he wasn't there on Mount Horeb. And the Lord was saying, 
Don't rely on that. The still small voice, the gentle whisper, everywhere. You can hear my voice in the valley. You can hear my gentle whisper everywhere. It's about intimacy. And so often as Christians, we're so mesmerized by the spectacular that we miss meeting God in the intimacy. And God meets us, if I can say this, in, sometimes in the boring times, sometimes in the lonely times, sometimes in, in the still times. If we try and live on that level, we'll kill ourselves. He is there all the time and we can turn to him. And after the Lord encounters um, Elijah in the still small voice, he asks him again, the, uh, the third time, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And it's like, what's going on there? You know, you... Physically, you've been restored. Spiritually, the Lord has met with you. Why are you still saying that, Elijah? And what, what goes on with us is, have you noticed that sometimes it takes our emotions and our minds time to catch up? And sometimes it's just a, a little drag uh, and, and we can feel guilty, but the Lord knows. The Lord knows when he meets with us. It takes time. When, when you know, when you're physically ill... There's a time of recuperation. You don't suddenly go, oh, now I'm fine. Not many of us do. And when you're emotionally unwell or spiritually unwell, there's a time of recuperation. It takes time to catch up. That's what was going on here, I believe, with Elijah. And then at this point, when Elijah says, have you noticed he keeps saying, I'm the only one left. I'm the only one left. I'm all on my own. At this point, the Lord says to him, oh, and by the way, Elijah, now you've heard the gentle whisper. Um, just I never mentioned it before, but actually you've never been on your own. There's 7,000 others who haven't bowed the knee to Baal. And when I first read that, my question of the Lord was, why, did you, why didn't you say that to him in the first place? It would have saved you an awful lot of hearing moans. Why didn't he say that in the first place? I want to suggest to you, it was, because, it was because if he told him at the beginning, Elijah would have been tempted to rely on the 7,000 others and not on the gentle whisper. Our God is a jealous God. He wants us. He wants, he wants us to know that he is our source of life, that he is our life giver, that he is our fountain, that he is our wellspring, that it, it's him. And when we get that, then he adds everything else. So the Lord uh, dealt with his uh, physical needs, then his spiritual needs, and finally, El Elijah's emotional needs. And remember, Elijah kept saying, I'm all on my own, I'm all on my own. And, and you know, we're not, we're not meant to be alone. God created us for community. God said it is not good for any human being to be alone. I know that's about marriage, but I think it's more than about marriage. We were created in his image, and God is community. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in his image, we were created. 
That's why we do church, because no individual can fully reflect what God is like. What happens is together we reflect the image of God in our relationships with one another. And, and you know, we live, we live in a world that is dying of loneliness. There's never been more of us on this planet than there are today, and yet we've never been further apart. We've lost the art of community. Our culture has done that in the West. Um, uh, during um, a, a while ago, the mayor of Watford, who is the elected mayor of Watford, uh, visited uh, our, our, our church in the week, and he, to, and he met with my colleague, Andy Croft, and they had coffee. And Andy asked the mayor of Watford, he was interested, he said, what is the great biggest problem in your mind in Watford? What is the biggest issue? And immediately, our mayor said, problem number one, loneliness. Number two, car parking. And believe me, in Watford, car parking is a problem. But he said, loneliness is the biggest curse. It's the biggest problem. We are dying of loneliness. And God, and, and the purpose for the church, I'm going off piste here. The, 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 the purpose of the church is to reflect the community, the love that is in God to the world around us. We are a community that exists, that is a family for the sake of others. We are, by this will everyone know you're my disciples if you love one another. That's the test he gave the world. And that's what they come to look for. They come to look to see, do we love? That people come to our churches and they come. And the biggest question, honestly, the biggest question non-Christians ask when they come to church is not, what do we believe about the resurrection? And I really think that's an important thing. It's not, what do we believe about sexual ethics? And I really believe that's an important thing. The first question they ask is, could I belong? Could I belong? Would they, would they love me? How are they with one another? Is this a place of, of criticalness and judgmentalism? Or is it a place where I can come out of hiding, where I can come out of shame? And what happens here, what happens here with Elijah um, is, is the first thing that happens when he comes down from Mount Carmel, the Lord gives him Elijah, Elisha. First person he meets is Elisha. And Elisha is his companion, his assistant, and his friend. And from that moment until Elijah is transported to heaven, he meets his emotional needs. Now, I've just got four minutes left. I will say this quickly. It, it, again, for, for, for us, for us, God created us. We don't just have spiritual needs. We have physical needs and emotional needs. And I know what this is about. Um, I'm going to be 65 in March. I know what you're thinking. He can't be. He can't be. I know, I know, I know. It's, uh, it's, it's a miracle. Um, it's, it's just, it's, it's God's grace and oil of ule. And, uh, and, and, and I'm single. And I've never been married and, uh, I, and as an introvert, a lot of the time, I love living alone. I love it. But, but sometimes that's hard. Sometimes that's not easy. And, um, and there, there, was, there was a time um, I was coming back from a meeting 
And uh, as I was driving, uh, the, the adrenaline lifted and I started to feel low. And I started to feel that feeling of, oh, it's going to be a tough night. And it was 10.30 at night. And I thought, if I turn left, I'll go home. But I thought, actually, if I went right, my friends Dennis and Miriam, who've been in my church. And, well, we, we be, I mean, they've been my friends. Um, they're older, a bit older than me for 35 years. And um, they live there. And I thought, I can't call on them at 10.30 at night. And I thought, well, I'll just drive by, and if the lights are on downstairs, I might give a knock. The lights were on downstairs. I went up the drive. I knocked on the door. Miriam opened the door. She said, hello, Mike. How lovely to see you. She said, I'm just making a cup of cocoa for Dennis and I. Would you like some? And I thought, something stronger would have been nice. <laughs> Christians. Um, but... But I said, oh, a cup of cocoa. All my life I've been waiting for this. You know, I can't think of anything better. So she said, she said, Dennis is in the front room. And I went there and Dennis used to be a football referee. And he started telling me about all the people he'd sent off. And then, we, then Miriam came in with the cocoa. And uh, we talked about um, Downton Abbey or whatever it was that we'd been watched, they'd been watching. I don't watch that stuff. And, uh, and, and all of that. And then after about 30, 30 40 minutes... Um, Dennis said, well, we've had a great time of fellowship. Why don't we just pray before we go? And we stood up and they put their arms around me and Dennis prayed, thank you, Lord, for our friendship. Uh, thank you for our fellowship. Bless us now as we, as we go to bed and have a good sleep. And, you know, Dennis and Miriam, they've been my friends for 35 years and uh, I was best man at their son's wedding. And um, uh, uh, um, I'm godfather to two of their grandchildren. And in fact, two of their grandchildren um, uh, were my interns. One of them came here um, uh, for a year and traveled with me. So I've, I've got a whole history with them. But do you know what? At the end, as they waved me goodbye, as I went to the car, I suddenly realized um, they haven't once asked me how I am. And yet, I'm floating on air. The, 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 the burden has lifted. And the reason was, a few weeks earlier, I'd been preaching at church, and I mentioned in passing that sometimes when I come back from meetings, I hit a little bit of a low. And Miriam came up to me, and she said, the next time that happens, you come and knock on our door, Pilavachi. We don't care if it's three o'clock in the morning. You don't go home like that. You come and you, 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 you see us. They didn't ask me how I was because they didn't need to. They knew why I turned up at 10.30 at night. And they were for me exactly what I needed them to be. Just my friends. They didn't counsel me. They didn't try and find the deep stuff that, that was, was in me. We just drank cocoa and talked about nothing. <laughs> they were just what I needed them to be. And God, they're God's gift to me. And a number of others are. And God who loves us, he loves us completely. He loves us in the whole. He, and he meets our physical needs as much as he does our spiritual needs and our emotional needs, just like he did for Elijah. And what I love about this story as I finish, you know, Elijah was God's man of faith and power some of the time. 
and other bits of the time, he felt very small. He felt very alone. He felt a bit low. And God loved him when he was God's man of faith and power. And God loved him when he wasn't. And God met with him because he's a father. He's not a head teacher. He's a father. And he's a father to us. And what I'd love us to do now is just wait on him for a few moments. Let's stand together if you're able to. And, um, and back um, on live stream, um, if it's helpful to stand, you stand. If, it's, if you don't stand, it's absolutely fine. God can meet you in a sitting position. He does that with me regularly. And uh, let's just be still, wherever we are, here live or watching on live stream, just for a moment. And Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that you send your Holy Spirit upon your church afresh. Come to us. Come and meet with us. And Lord, I thank you that you don't just meet us on the good days. You meet us in our brokenness. We wait for you. Come with your gentle whisper, your still small voice.